Welcome back to Playability Podcast, where we have short interviews with game designers and publishers to talk about games and how they come to be and how we can make them more accessible and inclusive. Today I'm talking with Carla Kopp of Weird Giraffe Games and more recently Galactic Raptors Games. So today we're going to talk about one of your newer games. Do you want to let me know the backstory for that game? Okay, so Dreams of Tomorrow. In the game, you are a dream engineer, and you're sending dreams into the past to try to change the future because things didn't quite work out as, you know, everyone wanted them to. It has a set collection, a rondelle, where you guys all work together. Everyone is a dream engineer, so you kind of, you do benefit from others when you go to different spots on the rondelle. But you do want to, you know, make the best dream, like, be better than your competitors. Because you want the future that you want to get passed down and for people to remember it and change things. Excellent. If you would, briefly talk me through the game's developmental path. Well, it didn't start off as Dreams of Tomorrow. It started off as this game called Totemic Rights. It was first a dice game and then it became the card rondelle game that it is right now. Mostly because dice, they weren't that strategic and it just like it didn't feel right. But like, Adding in the rondelle um, made everything just kind of fit together. So in the game, like originally, you were building a totem pole and it had a color on each side of it. So um, it was kind of like a set collection mechanic where you wanted to like connect at least one of the lines on each side so you get more points for that. But one of the really interesting parts of it is that... um, So you would acquire the parts of the totem pole, and every part that you could see the ability on, you could use its ability. But when you started building up your totem pole, you would cover up its ability, so you'd have to do like a... Even though like building gave you points in the end, you'd have to consider that versus like getting rid of the ability of the totem that you were covering up. Um, One of the really interesting parts were um, the abilities that could change how the rondelle worked. So the rondelle, it's not really a circular rondelle like you would think. It's made up of four cards, and each of the four cards has two spaces, and you go around this card rondelle, but like one of the abilities is to move one of the cards to a different location and then move again. So like you can move one card, you can move multiple cards, you can go counterclockwise instead, and you can even flip one of the cards. I really like the flipping mechanic because that was one of the last things I got in. Like, it started off with just, like, moving one card, and then it was like, you know, this is cool. Like, this is a really cool part of the game. Like, I've never played a game with a rondelle where you can move it. So, like, I slowly started adding in, like, oh, you can move, instead of just moving one and moving two, you can move, you know, you can move as many as you want, but you only get to move one. And then you can flip, and then you can go counterclockwise, and then you could swap places with people. So, like, I, like, gradually made it a lot more of this is a rondelle moving game than, like, uh, I think the percentages started off with, like, maybe 20% of the cards move the rondelle or move something on the rondelle, and now it's, like, 60 or 70% because, like, you know, that's, like, the cool part about it. It's, like, moving it around and getting to where you need to go, like, right now. It's like a puzzle. Awesome. So you mentioned that the players are sort of working together, but it seems like it's not a cooperative game. What are the primary goals of the players? So they want to create, uh, well, now they want to create a really good dream that has um, really impactful parts to it. So each of the dream parts has a certain victory point allocation, like they range from two to five. So you want the big hitting ones, but you also want the ones that fit with the set collection. 
And that's important because it would make a more cohesive dream to the person that's viewing it because it would just make more sense so they'd have more ability to remember it. And you also want a longer dream sequence because like if you have a long dream, like you can remember it a lot better. So you want to get up to five dreams. That's like when the game will end. So that'll trigger the game end is somebody has five and then everyone else gets another turn and it's over. So about the semi-cooperative part, um, there's resources in the game. So to acquire a dream, you need a certain experience, but to make the dreams, you need two other resources. So when you go and gather resources on the rondelle, um, you also give resources to other players. So every time you go somewhere that gets you resources or lets you acquire or lets you um, build up your dream, you give resources to other players. So you have to think about that. And that's another reason why the abilities are so important is because if you go on one of your use your ability parts of the rondelle, you don't give any resources to anyone else. So there's certain dreams that let you just gather resources. And that's kind of like a I'm gathering resources, but not giving any to anyone else. <laughs> Excellent. The rondelle, I've started to see some more games use that. It seems like it's one of your primary mechanisms for the game. What got you so interested in trying a new take on the rondelle mechanism? Um, well, like, I just always had liked rondelles. Rondelles are just fun. Like, well, it's, it gives you, like, a, a choice. Usually you go a certain number of spaces and you get that choice of where you want to go. So it's like you have a small choice, but it's not, like, a lot. And that's kind of the games I like to play, where I like what you do on your turn to matter, but I also like for it to be really fast and quick. Like, just you do the one thing. You go to the spot and you do the thing. Excellent. Now, what does accessibility mean to you for games in that context? So accessibility, like, it means a lot of things. It could mean, like, just making things or sure that the game is, like, colorblind friendly, making sure that, like, different people can all play and experience it at the same level. Sure, like, not everyone is going to, like, have a lot of fun with every game just due to, like, if they have vision things or different sorts of problems, like, they won't all experience it at the same level, but I want everyone to be able to experience a certain level of enjoyment from playing the game. Like, I don't want them to be like, okay, I'm just going to walk away because I I can't understand this. Like, um, I've played games with a couple of people from my game groups, and they're just like, you know, this game is kind of impossible for me to play because I can't tell the difference between the blue and the purple, and it I keep messing up, so, you know, I can't I can't play. And for some of these games, like we figure out ways to like mark the cards or change the dice in some way or separate them. But it's still like it's not fun when you have to do like extra steps to make sure somebody like doesn't, you know, have a bad time. Yeah, for sure. And so beyond the ability to play, it seems like you changed the theme to be more inclusive. Can you describe some of the decisions that you made or the conversations that you had that led you to that decision? So it had a Native American totem theme in the beginning, and I thought that was really cool. One game that I really uh, liked how they dealt with different cultures was called Oaxaca, which it's about Mexican craft culture in Oaxaca, which is a Mexican city. And um, one thing they did in the Kickstarter was that they had this deluxe version where you can get actual crafts from Oaxaca and like the people actually benefited from the game. And I thought that was so cool. And I wanted to do the same with this game. Where I was like, okay, like the deluxe version, I can contact some Native Americans and they can sell like little things and they can like really benefit from this. And I was going to hire a Native American illustrator and they'd make sure like, well, one, I really wanted like somebody in the culture to 
to make money off of this. Like I didn't want to just be like me, white person making money off of a different culture. Like that's, that's bad. Okay. So I went out and I tried to find a, like a native American illustrator or graphic designer, someone that would like, you know, look at the game, make it more realistic, like, and make sure I also wasn't doing anything like terrible because like I could just do something terrible and not realize it. And then, somebody of that culture would play this game and go like be like super offended and not be at all able to enjoy it because I just didn't know enough about the culture. So I went out and tried to find like some illustrator and I was contacting them and it just either wasn't working out. Like they'd start to talk and then they'd stop. And then I contacted this other illustrator and was like, Hey, or they responded and they were like, Hey, this is pretty offensive. Like you can't use totem poles in uh, like that's appropriation. Like you, you just can't do it. And I was like, oh, like I was like so excited about this. It was really disappointing. I reached out to another person, like because I was like, maybe, maybe they're just from a certain tribe and they don't like it, but other tribes are okay with it. So I talked again, and it was basically like, yeah, this is offensive. This is offensive to every culture. And I was like, okay, I'm fine with that. Like maybe, like. Just having like two people like agree on that subject, I was like, okay, it's probably an agreement across all cultures. Like, I don't want to offend somebody. I don't want somebody to be like, okay, this is just, I'm done and my day is ruined because of this game. So I started trying to uh, think of other things. And that's where I got the dream idea because, like, well, we all dream, right? And that's more of an accessible thing. Like, even though you're not learning about a different culture, which I do want in my games at some point. But of a subject that's not offensive, of course, because like different cultures are really exciting and different. And I want um, more learning to be in games, too, because like, well, that's that makes games like better for me as if I can also learn at the same time. But going back, I was like, everyone dreams. Um, we have all these all the dream games I had seen before had been like, like either cutesy or really weird. And like those weren't the dreams I have. Like I don't have like pink fluffy clouds in all my dreams. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make a dream game that could actually be like the dreams that people might have. I mean, maybe I'm just different and I don't have like the, the regular like bunny dreams and cute animals and whatnot. But I thought that would be really cool because like if you have seen any of the art for it, it's like more sci-fi, but like rainbow sci-fi because I mean, colors make the game like a lot better. Like I think um, if you look at all my games, they look kind of rainbow-fied because I mean, if you can make something super colorful, why not? <laughs> so it seems like you learned a lot from the process of changing the theme, and now it even fits really well with all of the mechanics. Do you have any advice for designers or publishers who get confronted with that same kind of scenario where they have to learn from something that they were doing that they didn't think was quite wrong, but are being told that it is? Do you have any suggestions for how to deal with that appropriately and, and sort of move on from it? So you'll have emotions, okay? You'll be like, okay, I'm super excited about this thing, but somebody's telling me it's wrong. That's hard. That's hard to deal with. So make sure, like, the thing I did, I was like, oh, it's offensive, but I'm so excited. I want this to be a thing. I want to help people. Like, I want to teach them about this culture. But take a few days. Ask somebody that, like, you think knows, like, go get more information, okay? Like, keep asking people. Like, don't just be like, oh, this person doesn't know anything. But let your emotions, like, 
go away, whether that takes like a week or so, and then keep digging. Like, don't just drop it. Don't dismiss it. Like, look into it and get the actual answer. And if you can't find an answer, maybe think about just if it could be a different theme anyway. Like, even if it's just one person, one person could mean a big, like, like you don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to make anyone sad with your game. So um, really look into it. And um, like, I know it's going to be hard. You'd never want to be told like, hey, you're wrong. You're doing bad. You know, you, it's just about learning and growing. And like, for me, like, that was that was a really hard day. And I want people to know that, like, that it's not easy to be told that you're wrong and you did bad and you don't know things. Yeah, the emotions that you experience when you're told that you do wrong, that's just a very human thing. And so it's not like those emotions don't happen. It's just dealing with them appropriately. Yeah, yeah. I want to for sure, like, emphasize that. Like, you are not wrong for feeling emotions. Like, that is, you're being human. It's okay. But don't drop it. You have to go confront it, learn more, and be willing to change because, you know, you have to change like this is a world and we all live in it so you don't want to be that person that's just like the jerk that doesn't care about others (laughs) exactly with your new theme and everything working together what is your favorite part of dreams of tomorrow um it's still the rondelle like i love just going around like um so i'm i don't like any take that okay i don't like take that at all but i am perfectly fine like flipping you around on the rondelle and putting you in a different spot and just creating this And well, at the same time of like being passive aggressive, like creating this beautiful dreamscape, because I just like, like how all the colors like work together. Like it's a really beautiful dream that you're creating. At the same time, you're being passive aggressive. And I think that's wonderful. (laughs) Excellent. What do you think makes this game most memorable for players? I think that moment, that moment when you realize like what the game is, like I love teaching this game to players. Because, like, I I talk about the moving rondelle. I can teach it in a way where they don't, like, really understand what is going to happen. And then I do, like, this epic move combo. And they're like, what? That's what this game is about? I'm going to do that, too. And I'm going to feel so good about it. So just, like, them being able to light up and figure out how to do the thing they want to do and feel so clever about it. Like, I love that. That's awesome. For our listeners who are interested in getting a copy of the game, is it available or, or what's your timeline for that? It's going to be on Kickstarter in late October. And you can go to weirddraftgames.com and sign up for our mailing list to get more information on it and uh, like be informed when we launch. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on today. We had a great conversation and I'll see you around. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Bye. Bye. Thank you again to Carla Kopp for coming on Playability to talk with us about Dreams of Tomorrow and her personal growth during game development. For more information about this game, Carla's website, and the Kickstarter campaign for it, please see the About This episode section on our website at playabilitypod.com. If you have questions or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at playabilitypod at gmail.com and find us on major social media platforms as at playabilitypod. Thanks for listening and be willing to play with a new perspective.